So it seems like you had a busy day Saturday. We're recording this on Saturday night. You you were active on social media. Uh, the tweets were coming fast and furious, so I didn't get to kind of see what all you were doing. But I knew there was a thing because I knew people were reacting to it as well. So explain yourself. What, what was going on during and after the game uh, on Saturday for you on your uh, social media? This was a big game. This was a big game for the Tigers. They came through on this one. That didn't answer my question. All right, so they they have an insufferable fan base, so I thought I would, you know, just have a little fun back with the old Razorbacks. And so was this directly related to the officiating? Like, most of the stuff I saw was you reacting to their complaining about the officials. So I think Arkansas certainly has a bone to pick with the officiating, but it did feel fun to lean into it, yes. A couple things here. Number one, I think complaining incessantly about the officials after your team loses a game is like true loser behavior. There's, It's very rare that the officials are the sole reason why you lost a game. It's very rare. You hear about it a whole lot more often than it actually happens. I get it. You can have your beef with certain calls, but like Auburn won that game by 15. Arkansas, even after they felt like they got jobbed the most, led in the game. That's number one. And number two, it's like, I don't know if I've seen a, a, a an official, like it's not even just a fan base. It was an official program lean into the, we got screwed by the officials last year. Do you remember it? Ha ha ha. Do you remember it? As much as I did Arkansas. That was the whole that was their whole hype video to this game. We should have won last year. You remember that? Well yeah, and you lost by more this year at home. I think that's what makes it so fun. They leaned into being the victim on a call, which it did sort of feel like that was uh, a predominant theme for them going into this week. For that to be your official like we won this game last year. It was also funny because like that hype video like towards the end of it, they they were playing like old plays um, from like Auburn Arkansas games, and this series has been dominated so recently by Auburn that it's like like there was one of their one of the things in their hype video, one of the clips from their hype video was Joey Gatewood getting stuffed on a short Oof. yardage play two years ago. I missed that one. Yeah, like Ugh. two years ago. <laughs> and so it, it was funny. Like I, I get being a, uh, irritated with the officials. SEC officials, college football officials, referees in general, the whole race, <laughs> they're bad. They're just really, really bad at their jobs, and they're incompetent at it. And did Arkansas get screwed more in, in uh, those calls? Yeah, but it wasn't. I mean, what in the world was that spot on third and long? Oh, the like, third and 17 before the half? Yeah. Like, what was that spot? There were, some, there were a few plays where you're just like, what are, what are you even doing? And there were some soft, I mean, that soft DPI uh, late in the game. I get it. Like, I understand, but, like, they're not the reason why you lost that game. And yet I have a feeling, and I joked about it on Twitter, like, they're going to cut a hype video next year for this game that's going to be so, you know, leaning into how many times they felt like they got job by the officials that they're going to be able to submit it to, to, you know, the film festivals next year. Like, that's that, like, that's how they're, that's how long that thing's going to be. I would say two-headed for me. One, Arkansas, very fun fan base to interact with online. Two, I think there's a blossoming basketball thing going on with both of these programs. 
Yeah. And so I really want to, you know, I want to be, I want to have fun with Arkansas. That's what this whole week was. And I think you had plenty of time to do that. Sharpless coming to you from Parts Unknown. Hello, Painter. Howdy. So we have a lot to discuss tonight. A big win for Auburn. A huge win for Auburn. A monumental, you know, season-turning XYZ, whatever you want to call it. Huge one. 38-23, beating the Arkansas Razorbacks. There's so much to discuss in this one. And we've got the whole, hey, the officials kind of jobbed Arkansas a little bit more often than, than, than Auburn. We got that out of the way. So let's talk about actual things that happened and how this game was really determined and won. I guess big picture-wise, Painter, we talked about it heading into, the, into this week. This is a this was a hinge point game. I think that was kind of the word we'd ended up going with the most. You feel like something can shift with a win or a loss in this one where, you know, Auburn gets a win and there's momentum and, and you're going into a bye week with, with, uh, with, with some optimism you lose it's like man you're gonna have to scrape to get you know to get to a, a halfway decent record this season make a ball game and there were probably more Auburn fans that were on the lower side of that portion than the higher side of that portion uh, portion opinion in the end Auburn winning by 15 at Arkansas there's a number of stats there this is the first time Auburn's won back-to-back road games since 17 this is the first time they've won uh against a ranked team I think it wasn't eight six it's either six or eight i can't remember it's several tries this is the first time they scored a touchdown on the opening drive of an sec game since the arkansas auburn game two years ago uh, look arkansas now lost three straight i don't think arkansas is a team that's necessarily we're going to look at at the end of the season and say oh they were awesome at one point a top 10 team reality has kind of hit them pretty hard over the last few weeks but still i mean to get this win away from home it's kind of like the it's kind of like the lsu win just getting it means so much because you haven't gotten wins like this very often recently. Uh, and uh, I know it's Arkansas, but this is a different Arkansas team. It felt important that Auburn could win a game against a team it was more talented than because a lot of what I feel like I end up doing on this podcast is talking about teams that are more talented than Auburn and Auburn go in the next step. When you have a team with a a less talented roster that you end up closing that out and it felt like we identified some of that this week in the preview where it looked like Auburn had some advantages in certain areas and it's so funny because we (laughs) I said all week like hey if Auburn runs the ball they'll win this game they could win by double digits they win by double digits they didn't necessarily run the ball well shows what I know but I think Auburn learned a lot more about themselves this week. I think they got closer to what their identity is as a football team, both on offense and defense this week against Arkansas. And now you're going into an off week where you can feel, all right, this is what we can build on. I think Harson said it best after the game. we got to get healthy. Getting to focus fully on ourselves for a week is going to be big. Here's the things we got to get better at. Here's the things we are good at. And like focus on both of those things moving forward. Coming out of this game with the win positions you to feel like in all of these games, which I think will be close over the next month, you can be in a position to to win all of them if you play like that. 
was the game perfect? No, not at all. I mean, the middle eight was dominated by Arkansas, and, and, and I think Auburn showed a lot of guts fighting back yet again from, from not having a good stretch. It feels cliched, but that touchdown that the defense forced – Oh, does feel like if you were well, gonna, if you could ever pin a moment in which the game went to a team. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's it's a big play in the game. It also was a good encapsulation of what the defense was doing and why Auburn's defense was able to pull it out and win it. Arkansas had one drive, you know, it was final six possessions, one touchdown. And Auburn scored, Auburn's defense scored just as much as Arkansas did in the final six drives that Arkansas had the ball. You'll you'll take that and run with it. That one touchdown drive is when they were on the field for a, a long time. I mean, it was, it was 12 and a half minutes to two and a half minutes, I think, of time of possession in the third quarter. It was just an absurd number. Yes, Auburn's secondary gave up some big plays. There were some missed tackles. The, the run defense wasn't always humming the way it needed to be. The middle of the game, the middle stretch of the game was rough. They tightened up a little bit in the back end, but the big thing about this game is that, you know, an up and down pass. I mean, Auburn took this game up front. Your pass rush got home. We said it coming into the game. K.J. Jefferson, I love K.J. Jefferson, by the way. I think some Arkansas folks around me were, were thinking I was making fun of him up in the press box. And I, I was like, I love this dude. To me, he is like the quintessential college. Like, if you're not going to be Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields, give me that guy. Give me a dude who's going to be hard to tackle, who's got a cannon for an arm and is just fun to watch. He was all those things. But if you look into this game, Arkansas, in obvious passing situations, second and long, third and long, they are a team that has struggled to move the ball, and they give up sacks. And Jefferson, he scrambled pretty well in this game. And Auburn did a better job of keeping contain, containment on him in the, in the second half. Derek Hall rocks his world on a sack. Colby Wooden was constantly playing at a high level in this game. Eku Leota had an incredible game, I thought, for someone who didn't record a ton of stats. That front had to take control of this football game, and they did, and that play was the best example of it. Derek Hall gets the sack. Marcus Harris lands on it in the end zone. I think Auburn fans have been waiting to see that defensive front just say, nope, this is our game. And to do that, to do it against that Arkansas team, whose identity is running the ball and playing power football and being strong up front, that's Sam Pittman's specialty, that's huge. Not only did they get after K.J. Jefferson in the, in the pass rush and then keep him contained in the second half, but number two, design runs, they had him bottled up. Had a couple of good runs, but more often than not, Auburn was beating him near the line of scrimmage. And... That, I think, made a huge difference in this game. If you're feeling fickle, as I was at the beginning of that third quarter, the next quarter and a half went about as perfectly as you can imagine. The one drive that Oklahoma, Oklahoma, I'm looking at Oklahoma right now, the one drive that Arkansas got together and scored a touchdown on, and Auburn had several opportunities to get off the field there, they were worn out, man, because Auburn scored on a defensive, like three and out, three and out defensive touchdown, one play drive. That was Auburn's third quarter offensive output. The secondary tightened up down the stretch. Um, the run defense did a little better, and, and you got to get off the field on third and longs. Those are that's a flag. That's a red flag, and they're going to try to focus on it moving forward. But I think the big thing is at the end of the game, still with with the issues that Auburn had on defense, KJ Jefferson once again a great quarterback and a quarterback that's put up some great numbers this season. Looked kind of average. On Saturday, his final his final line, well below his yards per attempt, well below his normal completion percentage. That is the kind of game Auburn needed to put up against a guy like that because he can be a problem, much like Traylon Burks, who got you once on a big one, and got some got some good gains out there, but got you once and 
you know what? You didn't let, let it keep beating you over and over again. That defense stepped up and responded. Against teams that have not been or that have been one-dimensional, Auburn's defense has largely won the day. Yeah, and how funny is it to think about how they shut down LSU? They, I mean, LSU had to completely abandon the running game in, in their game two weeks ago. Uh, Pander, did you happen to see what happened to LSU's running game on Saturday? Ty Davis Price for LSU ran for 287 rushing yards against Florida. Mm. The worst rushing attack in the SEC ran all over Florida. Process, he broke two records. Number one, he broke a record held by Leonard Fournette. It's a (laughs) single-game record at LSU. Number two, that is the most yards... Florida has allowed to a, a, an opposing running back in school history. The previous record there was held by Herschel Walker. <laughs> I mean, if you feel like Ed Orgeron's back has ever been up against the wall, this has certainly been the week. Right, and there's so much up and down and up and down in the SEC. You play well one week, you play not so well in one week. There are certain parts of teams' games that have gone up and down as the, as the season's gone on. You go back and look at this Arkansas team running the ball, they finished with 232 yards, which sounds like a ton, but they ran it 54, 54 times, just 4.3 yards per carry. I mean, they put up a lot of yards, but they only scored three touchdowns. This Auburn defense is not going to be a dominant unit like the ones you might have gotten used to under Kevin Steele. Um, I think Auburn fans are kind of learning what it's like to have more of a closer-to-average defense. That's just my read on it. I could, I could be wrong. Auburn's passing game. Bo Nix. Has the least Bo Nix game of his career. 21 of 26 for 292. Two touchdowns. He had one interception on an underthrown ball where they were taking a shot and being aggressive. Probably his only real mistake, I thought, in the whole game. Auburn only has two drops in that game. You know, Bo probably could have done better throwing both of those balls. I mean, I will will secede that point to, to people. Auburn gets catches from 10 different receivers, nine of them in the first half. They get two touchdowns. Nix's two touchdowns are explosive plays. Two great deep balls. A week after his his supporting cast let him down in terms of protection and in terms of drops, both of those areas way up this week against an Arkansas defense that's nowhere near as good as Georgia's because no one's is. But an Arkansas defense that had been really stingy in the back end. They came into the week top 15 team in, in, in pass defense. Nix played the game of his, I think legitimately, the game of his Auburn career. Late in the game, runs the ball and seals it uh, for the Tigers. But, I mean, throwing the ball, this is a team that only had two drops this week and got everybody involved. And guys we've seen and we know that have had tougher games this season or tougher times this season, Shedder Jackson, Demetrius Robertson, making plays. Jackson leads the team and catches. He's perfect five for five. Demetrius Robertson catches a 71-yard pass. Good throw, good call by by Auburn. But, man, what concentration. Not only to catch that ball by Demetrius Robertson, but to break away and score. Javarius Johnson gets more involved. I know you're happy about that, Painter. It was his only catch of the game, but it was early. Feeding it to the tight ends, feeding it to the running backs, feeding it all over the field. This is what we think Auburn's offense can look like. This is the blueprint. This is the vision. And they finally put it together. It seems like Auburn's going to be in a bunch of close games over the next month, but I felt like one Auburn needed to win this game to take some positive momentum into this bye week. And then also in route to a win, you really wanted to see some explosive plays. They finally got those two. They hit it downfield, and it was pass, it was catch, it was protection, it was play call. 
most of the time when Auburn has taken deep shots this season, one of those components has been iffy. And it just all really came together. And we talked about it last week. Bo Nix, there's so many drops. He, against the Georgia defense, he was insanely accurate, right? And we talked about how accurate he's been with a clean pocket this season. And he goes out there and has a game like this. Again, it is Arkansas, but it's a really good Arkansas pass defense. Look, he's had a really efficient, a really precise game where the drops were the problem against Georgia. He led his team to a come-from-behind victory at LSU for the first time in 22 years. Then he has the best game of his career against a ranked team away from home, two areas that have been really, really struggling with. And these are three straight weeks after getting benched. You keep that in mind, after getting benched. Good game from Bo. Shout-out to the receivers, too. Ten different receivers catching the ball in this game. That is, that's exactly what Auburn's been wanting. I mean, you're coming from an offense the last couple of seasons where you force-fed the ball to basically one or two or th- three guys at most, and now they are spreading the wealth. The tight ends are making multiple catches a game, wider, a wide range of wide receivers, and the running backs are getting involved. This is exactly like, – it's not the sexiest offense in the world, but for year one, I mean, you can do some damage with this. Auburn's got two weeks to prepare for one of the best play callers in the country. If I felt like focus was a bit of a cliche thrown out during the week, you know, as self-criticism for why they were dropping passes, whatever it was, it worked this game. Yeah, Demetrius Robertson said after the game, it was just focus. He's like, we had to just kind of really focus in on our fundamentals. Harson has said it. It's like no one's trying to drop passes. We've been working on this every week. But for some reason it clicked in this game and it needed to because this is the team you needed to really make some tough catches against. What did you make of the twist that Arkansas used? It seemed like they had more guys on that interior and on the line. Yeah, they, they did, and, and they, it looked like they sent more guys blitzing. Um, they sat back in coverage a little bit more. It was a softer kind of zone stuff that they were playing. But, yeah, they they packed the box. And Auburn's running game I mean, it just still hasn't found a way to kind of get going yet. These, these teams that are playing a little bit tougher boxes – or more filled boxes, I should say, are, are giving are, are giving them some trouble, and that's something they got to work on and get back to because that's where they can really, really get that balance. But they were able to run the ball when they wanted to in the fourth in the fourth quarter, which was big. You saw Arkansas try to do some things that has given other teams some success against Auburn's ground game. And to Auburn's credit, they managed to get around it and make it happen. Bo didn't run the ball really much until the final final two drives of the game, and when he did, oh man. What a play call on that on that on that third down, a formation we hadn't seen all year. Really using misdirection, trying to get trying to get uh, Arkansas kind of leaning one way. Bo using his legs, getting the first down, and then the 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 touchdown call that he had said after the game was an RPO, he had an option to to sling that back and throw it. And man, I don't remember very many quarterback draw RPOs that Auburn's <laughs> run in the past. Uh, and Bo, yeah, it did seem like the staff tailored this game nicely to his strengths, given how well he played, and you know, in, in combination with the receivers and the tight ends playing a good game themselves. And I wonder how much Auburn not running Bo in the first three quarters was more of them saving him for the end, or was the game plan like, hey, we need to really get it going with our running backs, or man, we think we can move this ball through the air. And look, when they threw the on those drives where they threw the ball more than they they ran it, they moved it. And even when they were trying to work the clock there in the fourth quarter, they were throwing it around the yard and making plays and moving the chains. And Bo looked locked in and comfortable, and he looked really confident. And and here's a quote after the game that I thought really I mean it really stood out to me. 
I think it's something that a lot of Auburn fans like to hear from their from their quarterback. He said, uh, when asked about what's changed for him since the Georgia State game, he says, nothing really has changed. I'm the same player. I come in just focused every day, ready to have a good day and just compete. I think at the end of the day, competing is just the major factor in my game. When I go out there and compete and desire the ball and want the ball at the end of the game like today, that's when I'm just at my best, and I think our team as a whole would obviously agree. He's got faith in himself. His teammates have got faith in him. This is a team that did not get rattled while while the Auburn corner of Twitter I saw was melting down during the middle of that game. And, I mean, I get it. It was it was not looking good. It was not looking pretty at all. Derek Hall said is like, nobody gets rattled on our sidelines. We're all we've got. We are, we're all we need. That's the mindset of this team. We've now seen them hang in there against Penn State, come back against Georgia State, come back against LSU. You know, really didn't have much of a prayer against Georgia after, uh, with the missed opportunities. But race out to a good lead, lose that lead, and then come back and slam the door on a team away from home. For a first-year coach, you know, you're seven games in. That's what you're, that's, this is what this team has done this season. But I think that DNA and that mindset of this team coming from its head coach down to its assistants, down to its quarterback, down to you know, its team leaders, its captains, and everybody else, it makes a difference. It makes a huge difference in this game. And at the end of the game, not only did Bonex get him in that position with his arm, he wanted to finish this thing off with his legs. With all the criticism and all the stuff he has gotten in his career, which again, a lot of it's statistically been justifiable, this is what he can look like in this. This is what this offense can look like. I think the big takeaway is that you beat a team that I feel like you should have beaten. Not just winning the game, but that there's that moment in the third quarter where you think, if they score again, can Arkansas sort of run away with this? And Auburn doesn't ever let it get to that moment. One of the groups, one of the aspects of their team that's been criticized recently, the pass rush, gets home and makes those plays. Passing it. I mean, I, I thought this week, I, I was like, man, it's going to be hard for Auburn to come in there with a with a pass-first mentality and win this game. It worked. It worked to a T. This is the type of offense that I think, you know, Brandon Marcello was at the game. He, he lives here. Former Auburn beat writer who's, who's now doing uh, good work covering uh, the game nationally for, for 247. Uh, hung out with Brandon on Friday night. He asked Harson after the game. He was like, "Is this the blueprint? Like, is this what, that final drive that Auburn had? The mixing it up, the different types of passes and runs, and the way it worked. Is that the kind of the blueprint of what you want?" And the more I thought about the question, I was like, "Yeah, I think that's it." You know, and Harson said, "This is definitely something. You know, we're very proud of the way we finished that game. We're very proud of the way that drive went." I think there was this fear and this trepidation, and I get it because of the way college football is that when you're like, oh, you're going to a pro-style offense, you're going with Mike Bobo and this history. But it's like, I mean, if Auburn put up an effort, efforts like this more routinely, I think a lot of Auburn fans would take that 100 times out of 100, even if it's not the sexiest or the most trendy offense in college football right now. Um, I believe Jason Caldwell was the first one to have something on this. Killing Zyre. Uh, Zyrer gets a start at left tackle in place of Austin Troxel. Zyrer had two false starts, I think, in the game, but other than that, did a really, I mean, you know, Bo did not see very much pressure in this game, and your left tackle is a key part of that. Um, I think Jason reported this, and also kind of from what I, what I heard, Trox not at 100% in this game, and so Auburn felt like it was better off to put in the put in the backup message, but he did, and he did well. I'd be very curious to see after the off week, they go back to trucks, you know, what that looks like um, moving forward. But, yeah, good game from him. Um, I think Auburn 
there were some times, especially in the fourth quarter, where they needed to get something going on the ground. They sprung tank a few times where the offensive line got things going. And, of course, blocking was good on those late ones from, from Bo. Pedro, you mind if I pander to you a little bit here? Please do. You know, I love it. Because I mean, this is this is something I've 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 thought about recently, and and I've said it throughout the year since really since the hire's been made. When you think about pro style offense, I think it's you know you want to go away from thinking like old school, you know, type of attack. And uh, watching Auburn, and again, this is painting with a very broad brush. Aaron Rodgers. There are a lot of finer details to this. But watching this Auburn offense the last few weeks, or watching this Auburn offense this season when it's got clicking and doing all the wide variety of things it wants to do and using its quarterback as a running weapon at times. Um, I see some similarities stylistically with what Auburn's trying to do on offense and what the Buffalo Bills do on offense. Oh, yes. But, like, you, you I mean, you obviously watch the Bills. I formation at times, you know, multi-tied ends they want to hammer it at you but they also can spread you out and do a lot of things they get creative they lose a lot of pre-snap motion and that is like that's not just a bills thing but like i think of when the san francisco 49ers looked at their best under uh kyle shanahan when they went to the super bowl like that you know to me kind of stands out uh in that in that regard like that kind of offense um, it is the modern pro style offense. You know, it's not the Chiefs, it's not the it's not the um, Packers, and it's also or the Saints, but it's also not like the Titans. You know, or you know, it's it's a little different. It's a little bit more multiple and multifaceted like that. And I I mean it 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 looks good when it works. It really does. It really does look good because the whole thing of like we can run a wide variety of things on you, and you're going to have to be prepared for it. I mean, that is what the that that is all what the NFL NFL play calling is, right? Because the 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 margins and the parity, um, the margins are so narrow and the parity is so great that like you have to scheme because it's not like you're playing unless you're playing the Jags. It's not like you're playing an FCS team out there. You know, it's not like you're playing a Vanderbilt. You don't get very many times to blow teams out. So you have to scheme your way. You have to be smart. You have to adjust and do do all that. And that's just kind of the vibe I'm getting from this Auburn offense. I'm not saying they're playing like an NFL offense. I'm not saying they're executing like an NFL offense. I just think stylistically and schematically, like, this is what we mean. This is the modern pro style. The Gus era and the Kevin Steele era, like, when it worked, it really worked. Like, there's no denying that. And if we do it well, we can win. But we've already seen Auburn try to win in a variety of ways, try to use a variety of players in a variety of situations. There seems to be more, on both sides of the ball, more reliance on adjustments, more reliance on individual game planning. This is what we're doing for this matchup. It hasn't always been pretty, and there's been some rough spots, and there have been some growing pains to it. But, like, as a big-picture thing, that's what you want out of your team moving forward, right? Can you be a team that can look one way and attack an Ole Miss defense one way or an Ole Miss offense one way and also do something different and still be successful against the Arkansas of the world? It's kind of the thing that what Brian Harson was brought in to do. That was part of the buy-in. It's like we are going to try to out-scheme and out-work and out-execute everybody because I think, and you know, some people get mad at me when I say this, I think everybody kind of can figure out that you're not going to out-recruit Alabama or Georgia. Not only is it hard to do right now or nearly impossible to do right now for anybody, historically it's not something that Auburn has been able to do. And that's okay. 
Because as we've seen, you can compete for championships and even win the thing with the right players and the right set of circumstances. And that's a lot of big picture junk, you know, to come out of one game against an Arkansas team that's still, I think, two tiers behind you, maybe just one in, in, in overall talent level. But I think the play calling offensively, I think Mike Bobo called a really good game, but I think Mike Bobo's been calling some pretty good games. Auburn has an entire month left of winnable games that it may very well lose, but it felt like an important part of this was, I think, to try to go, what, four and five over that stretch after you're at the halfway point. Winning this one really felt like you were doing yourself some favors. I know you wrote this in your observations. Momentum's not something we can quantify, but in that game, you could feel it for Auburn. Oh, and I think yeah. for the next five weeks of football, it's going to be something that you can't measure, but it still feels like this was the right step if you believe in that sort of gradual progression, that build in the second half of the season, that I think we tend to inflate with momentum. Look, Ole Miss is going to be a really tough test as we're recording this. They are putting it on uh, on Tennessee. You know, people were trying to buy the Tennessee stock. Everybody was like, oh, they're scoring a little points. A little early, a little early. I kind of feel the same way as I do, kind of feeling about buying stock really high in Arkansas. It's like a little early for that. You get a little bit more time, maybe a little more talent infusion. Um, These are, this is a winnable stretch. And going into it five and two instead of four and three, for some reason, it's just one, it's just one game, but it feels like a world of difference, doesn't it? feels like putting eight and four squarely on the table for the team and nine and yes. three doesn't feel unrealistic, even if it's not something I'd like to put money on. We said heading into the season, hey, if Auburn goes eight and four, that's a good year. You've got to win three out of your last five to make that happen. You've got one game where I think you should be a decent favorite in, even if it's on the road in South Carolina. I mean, I, I'm not buying in state that much, but you're and you're at home there. I think the Ole Miss game has the potential to just be absolutely nuts. That, LS, that, that Ole Miss offense is capable of catching fire or catching themselves on fire. A&M, I need to see a little bit more from A&M for, like, they won their Super Bowl last week against Alabama. Is that something that got salvaged their season, brought them back? They're going to start playing like they're capable of playing. Georgia is – I don't think there's anybody in Georgia's neighborhood. LSU – I thought it was done for them, so shout out to them for getting it together. I really thought that was it. And, and Arkansas is not in your your talent neighborhood, but you go and win those games on the road. Um, yeah, eight and four. I, I'll be interested to see what SP Plus has in terms of projections when they come out on Sunday. Like I, I, I'm very curious to see where they kind of eyeball because heading into this game, Arkansas was just a tick above Auburn. They were basically favored by what you would normally favor a team by when it's uh when it's a road game uh you give them kind of the home home points but as i said Auburn has a chance to make a statement win i think they had the chance to win by double digits away from home they did it did they do it in the fashion i thought they were going to no you know i'll at least get some credit for that and i'll try to take a little bit of credit for saying that auburn should run a quarterback keeper with bo nicks on that third down call um Man, what a beautiful call that was. So much can change one week in terms of the capital N narrative uh, around this football team. I think it's never as good as it seems. It's never as bad as it seems. And what that means for Auburn moving forward could be a lot of fun to watch because 
Like, I, I think you got a good point here, Vayner. These games they have coming up have the potential to be really close. And this was a close game, even though Auburn won by 15. This, was, this ended up being a pretty close game. I, yeah, I didn't really want to kick a field goal there at the end. That touchdown felt like it was really important, not just in terms of making it a tough 15 points. Just put the nail in the coffin. And I think it was good for the offense to finish the drive. Yeah. It's, uh... So, there were, you know, there's some miscues, but I feel like, again, like in terms of a team that switched its philosophies, this is one of your better games to point to about progress. And I think a lot of it, to circle back, I think a lot of it has to do with Bo. Not only is it the most important position on the field, Bo has been an improved quarterback this season. I was, you know, trying to make that point with the, with the film room last week, that he is a more accurate passer, that he isn't throwing nearly as many uncatchable balls. And there's a lot of criticism. I mean, there were people still this week thought, like, oh, they need to play TJ. And it's like, I don't think that's going to happen unless things are like, he is, they just, he just, he just needs the rest of the offense around him to start clicking, and then that'll raise his level. And that was true. Like, Auburn was catching the ball more, uh, more, consistently they were protecting better in this game and what happens you see him make throws that he has not made this season right the the deep balls were, were there they were on they were on the money but something that harson said after the game was he said i thought our week of preparation was good it was really really good i mean i heard throughout the week that he said you know, the sunday practice for auburn after losing to georgia in the fashion they did it's the best sunday practice they had all season now you see especially on offense okay they did it defensively not the best complete body of work, but they gave up 23 points to a team that ran wild last week. They got some stops that they needed to. They made they scored on their own. The other thing there is that this Auburn, the, the, this Auburn defense, I thought, in, in this game, showed a lot of toughness on, on its own in that second half in fixing the things that were issues, that were issues to them. And slamming the door shut. And there's something to be said about a team that can finish that way. I'm curious to see what this looks like against an Ole Miss team that's proven it can throw and run the ball and has one of the best quarterbacks in the league. But against this Arkansas team, even though Arkansas was able to do some things very well, I can live with 23 points most games. Yeah, oh, for sure. I mean, 23 points. Did Arkansas help them out on a few? Like, there were a couple of those fourth down calls where I'm like, all right, that's interesting. Or a couple throws KJ Jefferson made where I'm like, buddy, if you tuck it, you get the first mm-hmm. down right there. But you take advantage of those opportunities when they come your way, right? Because again, this is college football. You're gonna make mistakes. Your team's gonna your your team's gonna make errors. Well, the other team's going to as well, unless they're Georgia. And even Georgia didn't play sparkling all the way through their game against Auburn. Mark um, Stoops was definitely aware of the spread in that game. Love that Iowa uh, lost this week. Or just as quickly as they could, gave us the the loss out of nowhere. All right, I, I want to talk. I want to talk about the rest of the league and, and college football in general before we wrap up. Before we do that, though, let's put a pin in that because not only do we need to discuss some of what's happening in the league, and again, we're recording this on Saturday night. Alabama's still playing. Ole Miss is still playing. You know, things are still going on. Uh, I also want to talk about Florida. By the way, let's uh, let's let's discuss our beloved listeners, and our beloved subscribers. Painter, can I be sentimental here for a moment? Please and thank you. So I'm driving back after the game on Saturday, going back to my hotel, and I have one of those moments where I'm driving, and I'm kind of like processing everything that happened during the game and kind of kind of looking, planning ahead. 
And it kind of just stopped for a little bit. And I thought, well, you know, it's pretty cool that we've got people that are willing to pay to read our stuff, to listen to our stuff. And it gives me an opportunity to go cover these games in person, to experience this stuff. I mean, I'm never going to take that for granted. And there's a lot of you who have been generous and a lot of you have been uh, been very gracious. We tell you thank you all the time because we really, really mean it and we can't say it enough. But it kind of hit me today. You guys made this happen and we can't thank you enough for it. Thanks for thanks for making it so that I can go to Fable because this is a part of a job that I really, really enjoy. When you get laid off twice in three years, you start to think, well, maybe this is not going to be it anymore. Now, <laughs> nobody can tell me no. Wanted to say that. Wanted to thank you all for those of you who do subscribe to Auburn Observer. If you'd like to join AuburnObserver.com, $6 a month, $60 a year. Not only do you get all the newsletters sent to your email inbox, but you also get a bonus podcast once a week. Painter, let the folks at home know how they can continue to support our show, whether they're a member of the Inner Circle or they listen to the free episodes on the weekends because we, we love you guys as well. Rate, review, subscribe. This is a great time to do it. Maybe a little uptick in Auburn season. One can hope. One can hope. Yeah, this is this would be a good time to jump on board. Um, rate, review, and subscribe, like Painter said. And if you if you if you do give us a review, shout out, Painter, in your review, say something nice, give us five stars, and we'll read it here on the podcast. Here is uh, here's one right here, Painter from T Roll, fifty two. Here's the review. You ready? I'm ready. This is the year. Painter has improved so much under this new podcast. He's focused. He's having fun. I wouldn't be surprised if he's a dark horse for the Abbey. <laughs> <laughs> All right. They get it. <laughs> they get the show. Um, but yes, uh, you know, if you're a paying member or if you're not a paying member, rate and reviewing and subscribing um, does mean a lot for us and uh, helps us out a ton. Now, let's move on to very important folks and that's home field apparel the premium collegiate apparel brand the good brand and the maker of the finest auburn gear money can buy we're talking t-shirts we're talking hoodies we're talking sweatshirts you can't beat them home field just came out with their 1957 national champions t-shirt it's great uh, it's on a really, it's like on a really super soft version of their, of their t-shirts. Um, it looks clean. I gave it to my mom this week. She, rave reviews already from her. She's a home field believer. Uh, I know painter you are too. People I mean, are man, saying the, the shirt of the fall. That's what all the people are saying. Yeah. We, we talked about sweater weather, uh, on our last premium podcast. Well, friends, it's, it's getting cooler around the Auburn area. Whether you're in Auburn, whether you're elsewhere in the South, whether you're in parts unknown like Painter is, let me talk to you about some of the sweatshirts they've got. We've got a Navy Auburn basketball sweatshirt where Sailor Albee is sticking his arm through the rim of the basketball like he's Vince Carter. We've got Painter's legendary side-eye Albee, which is his Twitter Abby. That's on a, that's on a gray hoodie. There's more Sailor Albee stuff. There's a really old Auburn uh, logo where 
Uh, there is a there is a tiger sticking his head through the A and the AU. It's a rare one. You got the classic AU on one of them. You got the old flying uh, eagle A. You got one. Uh, you got another one where there's a tiger who uh, who is looking looking pretty pretty tough in his shoulder pads. Uh, getting ready. There's there's a ton of stuff at home field. If you want to stay comfortable and warm during the fall and into the winter, home field apparel's got you covered. Go to homefieldapparel.com. Listeners can get 15% off their first purchase with the offer code OBSERVER. That's OBSERVER, homefieldapparel.com. More schools getting added by the week. Auburn, more designs keep getting added as well. You know the good brand. You love the good brand. Support them because they support us. All right. So want to wrap this episode up by talking a little bit about the rest of college football and how it relates to Auburn as a whole. Yeah, how about the Florida Gators? How about those fl- fighting Florida Gators? I thought that they were going to catch them right in the jaw. LSU looked like they were coming apart. No, no, no. LSU's down like half their defense. Might be done for the season for most of those guys. They don't have their best receiver. Nope. And yet they run for more yards than anyone's ever run <laughs> for <laughs> against Florida and for LSU. Oh, boy. Uh, Todd Grantham, you're doing great, sweetie. Um, as Ben Wolk said on Twitter, uh, he wanted to be wrong about about uh, Dan Mullen. You know what? I don't know if that's I don't know if that's necessarily true. Maybe a little facetious. I think there's something there. Painter, we can talk about how Auburn is in a tough spot. It's a long way to progress and getting to compete. But I think you can always look around in the SEC, even among powerhouse, and say it could be worse. Because not only – it had been LSU with the – it could be worse. And at least you're resetting or rebuilding something. What about what about Florida? What about the Gators? Because Florida's 2-6 and six in their last eight games against Power 5 opponents. Dan Mullen now has a losing record against Nick Saban, Ed Orgeron, Jimbo Fisher, Kirby Smart, and he's 500 against Mark Stoops. Mark. As the head coach, of, uh, as the head coach at, at Georgia, or at Florida, sorry. Um, look, when we say that the third best team in the SEC is wide open, this is what we're talking about. And, heck, it could be number two, wink, 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 depending on if Auburn can run the table or somebody else in the West can run the table. Look, I mean, again, it is kind of a little bit more of a lopsided and chaotic season. So I think Auburn having a game where things weren't. I mean, Florida LSU. I got, I got, a, I got a message from our buddy Alex Kirshner. Listen to Split Zone Duo, by the way, if you if you aren't already. Um, support the boys. He he messaged me and he was like, "Okay, so Auburn just had a really normal game, didn't they? Like not chaotic at all." And I was like, "Yeah." Bo Nix had his least Bo Nix game that you would think. He he looked like the peak version of efficient, calm, comfortable Bo. Defense was up and down, but, you know, didn't blow up and, and, and got the plays they needed to make. And it was just like, yeah, this was kind of a – it wasn't pedestrian by any means. It was an exciting game. It was a fun game. I'm with Brian Harson. I, I thought that was a really good football game. Um, but, it's yeah, it's just like go out and get the job done. Take care of business. And move forward and, and celebrate it. It's just 
It's not very Auburn, but it might be the newer kind of Auburn. And I think even if it's not the newer Auburn, it looks like the chaos is going to everybody else right now. Fantastic way to get just past the halfway point of the season. Now you've got the bye. Ole Miss, an opportunity to get ready. This one was necessary, I think, in in terms of just the win-loss column. Five and two feels so much better than four and three. Florida would know. But also, but also, if you believe in that good juju, it feels like Auburn might just have some. Right. Right. Absolutely. Um, Georgia flattens Kentucky. Like I said, I don't think anybody's in their ballpark right now. Ole Miss is going to be interesting because it looks like Tennessee got a little bit of early success on defense against Ole Miss, and then Ole Miss was like, all right, it's time to quit mess. And look, by the time we – I mean, Tennessee could come back and win for all we know by the time this comes out. But I think Auburn having a week off, an extra week to prepare for that Ole Miss offense is going to be critical for not only like getting Owen Papo healthy, not only for – you know, getting some of these guys back, maybe you get some clarity on the TD Moultrie situation in the meantime. Some of these guys have been banged up and bruised up on offense can get back. But, like, that defense, you know, giving Derek Mason a little extra time to prepare and get ready for Ole Miss, I think, is, is going to be is going to be a pretty big win in their favor. Um, Hey, you talked about Iowa earlier, not in the SEC, but thank you, Purdue, out of nowhere, doing that, doing the Lord's work, because I thought Iowa was a pretender. And everybody complained this week. But, oh, y'all are mean to Iowa. You say they're not pretty enough. That offense sucks. That is a a bad, boring offense. And to have your biggest win of the season and then immediately lose to Purdue off of that, thanks for getting yourselves out of the way. Now, next up on the list of get yourself out of the way, we don't actually think you're really that good. Again, I, I don't want to meet, be mean to Kentucky. I just thought we all knew that Kentucky was not <laughs> was not championship material. Next one on the list, because Texas can't do their dang job, Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State, you're next. I don't know who's going to catch you. Somebody needs to catch you. Because the last thing we need we need is that Oklahoma State team <laughs> having people think that uh, you know Mike Gundy's doing a good job. Can't have that. Not going to have that. We will we will not we will not uh, deal with that. Anything else wild happen? I mean, I remember just looking up and being like, oh, my God, Purdue is kind of kicking Iowa in the teeth. It's a weird year. It's a chaotic year, and I think Auburn is picking a pretty good time not to not to be at their peak chaos and, and, and switching to a coach that wants to be consistent, stable. Then again, we haven't seen him coach an Iron Bowl yet at home, so that could be could be a completely different, uh, completely different territory there. Michigan State's great by Indiana. Makes sense. About time India. About time Michigan State had one of those games where you're like, "Are you really that good, man?" Missouri's defense is trash. What happened? Missouri used to be really good on defense. Like they used to, they used to really, really uh, bring Shout it on that Barry side Odom. of them. Will want to mention though, um, UCF Cincinnati. Cincinnati put the hurt on UCF. Uh, Gus Things Malzahn. not gotten off to quite as good of a start as I would have envisioned. Yeah, I, that's that's been an interesting situation. They're now three and three. Want to keep your eye on that? I mean, I don't think he's going anywhere, obviously. But like, how does UCF handle what's going on? 
uh, there. I don't um, think it's any surprise that they would drop a game to a team that they shouldn't at some point in the season. And I don't think it's particularly surprising that they didn't beat Cincinnati this year of all years. But it is surprising to me how lopsided that game looked. I, I do want to say, though, real quick, um, speaking of UCF, speaking of Gus, uh, after the game, Luke Fickle was talking about how Gus had to leave for a family emergency. Uh, if you if you didn't see it or um, if you, if it kind of got lost a little bit on Saturday afternoon, uh, Gus's daughter Kenzie just had, who lives in Birmingham still so, uh, gave birth to her first child earlier this week, um, and she was readmitted to the hospital due to complications. Uh, but according to Gus, uh, now stable and doing well. He was planning on going to Birmingham uh, from the Cincinnati game to visit them even before she went back to the hospital. So uh, thoughts and prayers to the Malzahn family uh, and to the uh, to the new parents and the newborn as well. Um, I know some Auburn people were really keeping an eye on that uh, over the uh, over the afternoon. All right. So this week at the Observer. Um, we're going to have a film room either on Monday or Tuesday. depends on how much work I get done in the next 24 hours because I am going to game two of the NLCS, uh, my first ever baseball playoff game. I'm looking forward to it. Watch the Braves take advantage of the off week, uh, a little early start, and, and, and watch the Braves play the Dodgers in truest on Sunday night. So um, that might affect it a little bit depending on travel and how much I get done. Uh, here in the next 24 hours. But there will be a film room. I think my idea for the film room this week, we'll look at uh, several of the big plays for Auburn and look at them from kind of a design perspective, why they worked, why they worked in that situation, and, uh, and, and what made them so effective. We'll have some more stuff throughout the week. It'll be an off week, so we'll kind of probably take a little bit of a lighter load, uh, maybe get some more basketball stuff in depending on availability. But we will be back with a premium podcast later in the week where uh, subject and content is TBD. Uh, but we will have something for you guys, of course. And I did want to make this announcement on the podcast. The Friday mailbag, the 50th mailbag in the Observer's history. Okay? It's number 50. It's a special one. It's also an off week, so we wanted to do something special. All right? And here it is. So go ahead and get ready. Get your questions ready. This week's mailbag will be a written one, not a, not a podcast. We've done a couple of those in the past. We're going to do a written one this week still because it gets clicked on. But this Friday, the podcast will be authored by Painter. Painter is going to write the mailbag this week. So any questions you have for Painter, email them to him. Uh, what email do you want him to send it to? Uh, how about kpaintersharpless at gmail.com? Or you can tweet at him, at paintsharpless. Make sure you tell them it's for the mailbag. It's open season. It's all, it's whatever you want to ask Painter. Boom. It's, 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 if you want to ask him about his take on Auburn football, his take on Auburn basketball, if you want to ask him about the Bills, you want to ask him about Peaky Blinders, you want to ask him about uh, me, you want to ask him about. um, Oh, I like that one. Yeah. Whatever you want to ask Painter, go for it. He's going to write it this week. We're going to have some fun with the off week. And uh, like I said, if you're an Observer subscriber, $6 a month or $60 a year, you can get the Painter Mailbag. It's the only way you can get it is if you're a subscriber. All right. Auburn wins 38-23. This has been the Auburn Observer Podcast, the recap edition. 
Thanks, everybody, for listening. Thanks, for everybody, for supporting. We really do mean it. You guys uh, do mean a lot to us and is you know, the reason why this is happening. And we can't thank you enough. Painter, final thoughts. What a win. I'm on need someone to help me. I'm on a need somebody's hand. I'm on a need someone.